AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And as usual on Tuesdays, we are joined by Patrick Kulikan, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Great resource to find out the latest in Minnesota news and politics as we check in with Patrick every Tuesday. Matt had a chance to visit with him last week. Now I am back this week as we'll be talking about some of the news at the state legislature, as well as an interesting column from Aaron Brown, who you've heard frequently uh, on a occasion here on AM 950 talking about, uh, well, what could be happening if we lose our wetlands and bogs in Minnesota? So we'll be getting into that and the legislature and news there. Patrick, thanks so much for coming back on the show today. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So, uh, well, let's get right to it. So we have a big snowstorm, of course, that is on the way later today, which will last uh, almost the entire week. I think Thursday is when things are supposed to wrap up. But I'm curious how that might impact things at the state legislature because, well, they're not exempt from the weather as well. So have they moved anything up or adjusted their schedule at all with that big winter storm on the way? Yeah, so the Senate uh, has moved up a couple of key bills. One would restore voting rights uh, to people who are uh, still on probation and parole, even though they're they're out of prison. And the other would uh, grant the possibility of a driver's license to people here uh, who are undocumented. So those are both key bills that have uh, versions of them have passed the House. And uh, we could see them become law uh, real quickly, especially with the schedule change and the Senate taking them up today before the snow starts. You know, it's something I've never really thought of much when it comes to legislatures, whether it's Minnesota or others around the country, being impacted by weather. Is this something that is kind of a usual occurrence where they might shift their schedule around because of the weather, or is this kind of a more extraordinary event? It's something I don't often think about, but now you kind of got me curious about how the weather can impact these types of things. My understanding is that Minnesotans used to be a much hardier punch (laughs) about these kinds of things. Um, and have uh, lost their nerve a little bit uh, in the last couple decades, or maybe even more recently. Um, I know my my kindergartner's school uh, is going to be closed um, uh, the rest of the week, uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, I, I think that there has been a recognition, especially with the pandemic, that you know, a lot of the stuff we don't have to be there in person. It's not ideal. You want to be there in person, but um, there's also there's there's no point in um, risking somebody's uh, safety uh, by having everybody drive to the Capitol in, in bad conditions or or even take uh, transit um, in bad conditions. Yeah, certainly uh, remote work has probably changed things. Could adjust us here at the station as we likely are going to be doing all things remote on Wednesday and Thursday as that uh, as that storm bogs down. And yeah, I'm sure the legislature's kind of figured that out too, that yeah, as you were saying, they don't necessarily need to be in person for a lot of these types of bills that they're getting hearings on or whether there's testimony. Yeah, they, they can do that remotely. Well, let's talk about some bills right now that the Minnesota legislature is working on right now. And let's go over to the Minnesota House where they recently passed a bill that would crack down on the thefts of catalytic converters. It looks like the Senate Finance Committee is set to have a hearing on that bill today as well, or at least uh, trying to crack down on catalytic converter thefts as well. So Minnesota is one of the worst states for this, and uh, I've been impacted by this myself. I personally haven't gotten mine stolen, but I live in a neighborhood which typically doesn't get a lot of crime, and a couple of weeks ago we had, I think, four cars that got their catalytic converter stolen, so it does largely happen pretty much every 
everywhere around the state. But Patrick, my question for you is that we've had bills like this floating around the legislature for a number of years that would crack down on the thefts of catalytic converters. What could be different this time in terms of uh, trying to get a bill signed into law to prevent these things? Well, the uh, in previous years, the uh, Senate uh, Republican caucus was led by uh, Jeremy Miller, uh, a Republican um, from southern Minnesota, whose family is in the scrap business, um, and I think they clearly has he has some concerns um, about uh, the the new regulations um, being too burdensome on um, businesses. Uh, probably like his. He said that he preferred uh, some kind of a federal solution to this, although that would be really unusual. Federal government doesn't um, enforce this kind of thing. It isn't the the entity that is usually enforcing theft laws. Um, So uh, now that Democrats have taken the majority, um, I think there's a good shot that uh, they're going to put some new regulations in place to make it a little bit more difficult uh, to sell a uh, catalytic converter after you after you saw it off, apparently they're pretty easy to steal, and and then uh, as for now, it's pr- it's pretty easy to to sell them once you steal them. They, there's a lot on there that's pretty valuable, and so um, yeah, it's just since the uh, the pandemic, I think it's um, there's been a, a a word of mouth, I suspect, uh, uh, amongst thieves about. Uh, how to do it and then uh, the neighborhoods to hit and that's probably what happened like with your with your neighborhood um just word got around that uh this is a a good place to 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 grab a catalytic converter and so yeah you see these kind of uh they're almost like a contagion um and certainly i think we've had we had a couple people in our office um who had them stolen and, and they're really hard to replace um and expensive to replace too so it's just a a, uh, uh, a real a real problem, and uh, hope that this will do something about it. So I'm curious what this uh, bill might do in terms of trying to well stop the types of shops that buy the catalytic converters from the thieves. Because obviously, yeah, you want to crack down on the people themselves that are stealing these things. But I think another big part of the problem is that you have these types of shops that end up buying these catalytic converters. So is there any further regulation that might make it tougher for these types of shops to buy these things that are stolen? So it would the. Uh... The, the catalytic converter would have to have the original car's VIN number um, even after it's removed, so it's just easier to trace. And then there would be penal, uh, criminal penalties for theft and, and, then, and then more tracking requirements for the sales of the parts that you can take off the catalytic converter. Um, now, one of the problems here is that uh, a lot of these are going to be sold out of state, um, and so there's not much you can do about that. Um, but they they do think that this would create at least um, some more barriers to to the theft and uh, and resale. Well, it could be something that finally uh, ends up getting put into law this session as we do have a different makeup of the legislature and those bills cracking down on the thefts of catalytic converters uh, continue to work their way through the legislature. I want to move on to another piece of news, and this has to do with another unfortunate case of a member of the Minnesota legislature being charged with a DWI. Representative Matt Grossel, who is a Republican from Clearbook, 
was stopped by state patrol back on February 11th and had a blood alcohol level of 0.15, which is about twice the legal limit. He was also going 71 miles per hour in a 55 speed zone. Grossel previously was arrested back in 2019 on charges of disorderly conduct and trespassing after a drunken incident at a hotel bar in St. Paul. Grossel has also portrayed himself largely as being an anti-crime member of the state legislature, despite his own legal issues, which kind of creates an interesting situation. Yeah, he's a former uh, officer and, um, uh, you know, puts himself out there as tough on crime. Um, But this is second scrape uh, with an alcohol-related offense in... um, or alleged offense in this case in recent year uh, recent years, um, and the, the the previous one in 2019 was um, particularly embarrassing for the legislature, and I imagine for him personally, uh, he was kind of cre- caused a ruckus at uh, at a bar, hotel bar near the near uh, near the Capitol, um, and then he uh, really made a scene. Um, at the St. Paul uh, police uh, headquarters. Um, and he was stripped of his committee assignments as a result of that. Um, and um, But so far, we're not sure what's going to happen, what the consequences will be. Um, you know, I, for his own sake, it seems like he, he really needs to seek some treatment here. This is the third, or excuse me, the second alcohol related uh, incident for him with with the law in in the last uh, few years Um, and honestly I think he'd be better off uh, uh, not in the legislature Uh, I I guess that's a decision for lawmakers and for Grossel himself and and as uh, Chris Ingram pointed out he's our our, one of our reporters uh, this is the third lawmaker uh, with the with a DUI just in the last couple years two and a half years um so you you do wonder if um the legislators um need to take a look at their the statutes that they work on um next time they are are tempted to uh have a drink and then drive yeah, as you brought up, it's uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, as you said, not the first time a member of the legislature recently has been arrested for drinking and driving. And uh, yeah, certainly it's uh, not good that you're seeing those types of things uh, continually happen. So uh, as you mentioned, hopefully uh, he's able to uh, get those issues taken care of and not have that happen again. But uh, just to go what you were talking about with the committee assignments, I know in 2019 he did lose some committee assignments. What exactly is Hortman, uh, Melissa Hortman, the Speaker of the House saying right now, uh, what could cause him to lose those committee assignments again here in 2023? She says she wants more facts um, and, and wants to understand. And, and she says that, you know, as of now, it looks like it's a very different set of facts. Um, and that, you know, in the past, there, there's been no uh, no indication of, of, of taking somebody off committee just because they get a DUI. Um so, and the other thing is that back in 2019, 2019 she, she did wait until the entire, uh, the, until the process was finished and, and he had done the pretrial diversion. Um, and so I, I, I suspect she's waiting until uh, uh, there's an actually a, a guilty plea or what, whatever the, the outcome may be. Um, I, 
I do think that the fact that this is the second uh, alcohol-related incident um, in which he's been uh, faced a charge, uh, that ought to mean something. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, she's not one to make decisions kind of rashly. So um, we'll just have to see. Speaking with Patrick Hulican, he is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Make sure you go to minnesotareformer.com. Final piece I wanted to talk with you about today has to do with a column from Aaron Brown titled The Waning Defense of Minnesota Wetlands. And this talks a little bit about how bogs have uh, played an important part in Minnesota in terms of all trying to somewhat prevent the effects of climate change. And, you know, I've always kind of thought of bogs and wetlands as uh, kind of being something you see like in a scary movie when you have that scary scene in the movies, but they actually do have quite that purpose uh, or quite the purpose of being able to capture carbon. But uh, that could change if we lose more of our wetlands and we have some of this carbon that they've been capturing released in the environment. So I thought this was a good column by Aaron to write talking about this because this could only uh, make our climate change problems much worse in Minnesota if we lose our bogs and wetlands. Yeah, what a what a beautiful piece he's written uh, about growing up um, in this kind of um, really interesting topography and geography and and uh, what's really at stake if we were to lose it. And um, and Aaron does a really great. He's an elegant writer, and but he also brings us um, some interesting research that's happening up north um, about uh, how important these wetlands are in capturing. Uh, carbon, and then the risk is that um, they could also um, they could end up belching out this carbon uh, and really worsening um, the carb- uh, climate change uh, if we don't preserve them. And so th- that's the uh, that's the kind of high stakes um, that he he addresses here. Well, make sure you check that out, minnesotareformer.com, titled Bog is Dead, The Waning Defense of Minnesota Wetlands. As you said, a well-written piece and an interesting piece as well to check out. So again, make sure you find that, minnesotareformer.com. Well, we are just about out of time for today as we have been speaking with Patrick Hulican, the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Patrick, as always, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.